0: Welcome in to episode 13 of Fatal to Prejudice. Um, So last week was Nathan, a second Nathan, and then uh, Glitch in the Matrix. We got the first Nathan back. We got the physician back in the house, ready to continue his story. Thank you so much for being here. Excited to uh, hear the rest of this.
1: Oh, good to be here. Exciting to be here. I have a question. What's up? What's the name of the show?
0: Fatal to prejudice. I like
1: that name. It was a good choice. Oh, thank you. Good choice. I figured do it twice. Say it twice. Yeah, it's a good way to start.
0: Thank you, uh, Mark. Mark Twain's a inspiration. He's a great, great guy. That's how I got it. I
1: was talking to uh, the the workman's comp attorney about the title. Did you know that? Was, oh no, I, was I didn't to him about it. Um, yeah, how did that, that
0: conversation go? I'm very interested.
1: Uh, cause I, I hadn't taken the time to look it up cause I'm not a millennial <laughs> 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 and, and um, so we, we just talked it out anyway. And yeah, so he explained it to me. He's he of all the, Hey, I know you're listening to this podcast right now, but if you're listening to this one and you haven't heard the workman's comp one yet, I suggest you go away from the one I'm listening. You're listening to right now and do that one first cause that guy's just awesome.
0: He is awesome and I've told this in private conversations, uh, to people, but I'll, I'll, say this recorded now. Um, he's one of my favorite people to talk to because he is so well-spoken and he thinks about everything he's going to say. And he just has a very eloquent way of speaking.
1: Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. And uh, he's, he th- an interesting perspective on him is that, that, uh, was really excited to get to know his wife, yeah, because that uh, his partner in crime has got to have cool stuff going on, and yeah, it's true, she does like, yeah, got us cool stuff going on, like, gotta get it that she has to, and she does, which is great.
0: Hey, workman's comp lawyer, I need to hang out with you guys more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're... I hang out with him once, uh, we went to an art show, uh, just us three and it was fantastic. You, him, and his wife. Yes. Okay. Uh, all three of us are very big into art, visual yeah. art, yeah. painting, drawing, et cetera. And so he showed me, he's like, hey, there's this local place. Um, every like, It's popular. Don't know how it's going to be with what's going on. Um, tickets are dirt cheap. The art isn't crazy expensive. Do you want to go? And I was like, screw it, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah he's got
1: a in his dining room there's there's a piece on the wall that i just i just melt and i'm not a visual guy i'm like that's my lowest that's a sense that that makes me melt the least yeah and you and i have talked before about like sensory experiences and the intensity of what hits your thalamus and <laughs> and so so visual things are the least but there's there's one on uh just an image uh, a painting on his on his dining wall, where I'm like, yeah, so you know, you it's where you know that it was more than just thinking about it; it was feeling a piece, and then really considering its placement and all that. It's it's uh, <laughs> this podcast is actually about our friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, that's that's interesting. Uh, bringing him up, it's uh, he actually messaged me earlier this week and he sent me like four screenshots of different paintings and Mm. all he said is which one's your favorite Mm. and i actually felt like awesome when he did this because he's like i know how cameron gets down in his head when he looks at art Mm. and i appreciate the opinion and i appreciate that he appreciates it yeah Um, yeah
1: I th- I said this last time I'll say it again. Those people like that, hold them tight, tell them you care about them, those friends. Yeah. Don't don't let them go and um those friendships are huge.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um we got to hang out soon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll be listening, man. Yeah.
0: Not just us three, but the whole like group of us that uh we usually hang out together. We got we to gotta get met together. Em. What? I haven't met them. Oh, you've met at least two of the other ones. The belt? Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is so obscure. And we're not going to tell <laughs> anybody so about this. It's so obscure. We're not telling <laughs> yeah. anyone. Yeah, it's a, there secret, is... it's a secret belt. That's all we can say.
0: Yeah, there's a belt involved, and there's about 10 other people that's not in the group that knows about it.
1: Not a belt, though, <laughs> like a championship
0: belt. Think like WWE, but way cooler.
1: WWF. Yes. Before the Before the World Wildlife Federation got on <laughs> it. <laughs> Hey, do you have a sponsor?
0: I do not. Do you uh, want to do
1: you want to try to in this podcast right now bid for your first sponsor right
0: now? Cuz I have an idea. Do you? I do. I'm interested. Are you ready? Yeah.
1: I think your first sponsor should be something called GeoGesser.
0: GeoGesser? Yeah. What is GeoGesser?
1: It's the best thing that's ever happened.
0: Oh man.
1: Oh, uh, for people that like travel. Okay, And okay. they want to get lost and that may feel stuck. If you may feel stuck where you are and you have wanderlust, it allows you to actually satisfy your wanderlust a little bit and still f- feel your competitive side. GeoGuessr is a game where you get dropped. They drop you somewhere on Google Maps. Okay. And you have a minute or a minute and a half. And you can move. You can press the move buttons on Google Maps. So is it
0: like the street view? Yeah. Okay.
1: They drop you somewhere on street view. That's all you have. And you have a minute to a minute and a half, and you can move as fast as you want. You can zoom a little bit too. Yeah. You can do it on a phone. You can do it on a computer. Um, And then with before that time is out, you need to click somewhere on the world map that you think you were in. Whoa. So you can look at the plants, you can look at the 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 topography, you can try to find a sign or sometimes sometimes you're just in the country though. Um uh if you can see an automobile and try to type the automobile for a certain country. Yeah. So you get dropped geo drops you in somewhere and you're trying to get a distance. So I have a friend, um, he would he would like me to use his alias because he's afraid of the government he's paranoid and i can say that because we're close <laughs> <laughs> we play against each other he, he's much better than i am but he's the kind of guy he he got within one block in japan one time what in a
0: minute wow
1: yeah so Guesser, um at the and you can play against other people at the same time, too, so you can join a game and see if you and them, you play with them at the same time, and see if see who can get there faster uh, or who can get the closest within a minute. Of, yeah. So you both pick a spot and see who's closest. And uh, you, you can do it while you're on FaceTime with somebody So you talk to them while you're doing it, even mm-hmm. talk <laughs> trash. But uh, well, I, my hope is that GeoGuessr becomes your first-ever sponsor. That would be sick. Because for those folks that are all about travel but can't travel right now, GeoGuessr does make you feel at least like you're temporarily somewhere.
0: And you can find somewhere new that you didn't know about and like, kind of explore it on Google Maps and yeah. be like, wow, I got a minute to look at this place, and now I'm actually going to go search it on Google Maps and then be like, all right, I kind of want to plan a trip here. Yeah. Let's figure it out.
1: Yeah, so it, right now it gives me it gives me the feel that Romania is one of those places I want to be in.
0: Is that is that one of the ones that stood out when you played this? Well,
1: I, well, I ended up a lot of Eastern Europe over the last week or so. Um, okay. With my friend who remains nameless, and yeah. uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania. I'm I'm at least a quarter Lithuanian, so maybe that's where I should go. But really, I'm not gonna do that for a while. <laughs>
0: That sounds so cool. Um, I want to play this game.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. We gotta talk to them about being your sponsor first. Yeah. I'll yeah. reach out.
0: Um. Let's hope. <laughs>
1: I have one more thing. I know this is your podcast, but I have a no. Question. Go for it. I have one more question before we start. What's up? And this would only make sense if you listened to the last one, audience. Did you watch Stop Making Sense?
0: I did. Ah, yes. I did. You uh, you did send me a little heads up message a couple of days ago and was like, we can't do this unless you watch the show. And, and all I said was, okay, good thing it's on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually got about an hour and 15 ish minutes into it. And I'm like, I'm exhausted watching them. <laughs> do yeah. This. Yeah. Because of what they're doing. Yeah.
1: Wait, did you not finish? I did. Okay. I did finish. So you saw Cross-Eyed and Painless at yeah. the end? Oh. Yeah.
0: I saw, I actually saw the whole thing up until that song, and then I watched that song this morning.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That, yeah, that album is like, the, the, the CD that I had was yeah. something that defined a lot of my college life. The music on there was. So.
0: That makes sense. Um. Knowing was, you and your interest and musical yeah. interest, and yeah. hearing you jam out a little bit in, in the improv <laughs> session, I'm I'm wrapping my brain around understanding.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I haven't talked, talked to my father at all yet, but my father grew up with Jerry Harrison, who's the dude playing guitar in that. Well, other instruments too, but Jerry Harrison's a guy in that band on that movie. Yeah. Um, he grew up with he grew up with people that we all look up to. And I'm like, Dad, you got to reconnect with these totally awesome people because they were friends. So Jerry Harrison is one of them. And I'm like, hey, Dad, can you have him over and then call me over too? <laughs> um, but the other one, the other two, because they're brothers, uh, are the Zucker brothers. He grew up, he was the same age as the, the, the Zucker brothers. The Zucker brothers of the, 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 the directors and writers of Naked Gun and Airplane and... If you care, Kentucky Fried Movie. Um, you're looking at me like you've seen some of these. I hope.
0: Naked Gun and Airplane. All
1: right, Kentucky Fried Movie is is the sloppy, sloppy version of those. And it's dirty yeah. and it's, but they're, that's their thing too. And that's another one where it's like, Dad, you know, you can have them over and then have me over. I'll get on a plane. Let's <laughs> let's hang out with your old friends. But it hasn't happened.
0: That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um somehow one time I, I'm just gonna tell a quick story about me. Yeah, please I say. got hooked up with the guitarist of Jefferson Airplane.
1: Jorma Kokinen?
0: Yeah. He was down in Megs County, the dirtiest of dirty Ohio.
1: But doesn't he have Ohio roots? Doesn't he have a farm here? Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. I I I believe so. Okay. I want you guys to
1: know audience. We did not prepare this conversation. No, I just just thought of this on the fly. I happen to be a bit of a Yorma guy.
0: So go on. Yeah. Um, my, one of my good friends from elementary school, uh, still friends today. He was very, very good at guitar. Still is. He's still in a band. I'd love to get him in here to talk about his life as a local musician. Mm. Um, And somehow, some way, his family knew that Jefferson Airplane Guy was in, like, within a couple of miles of them. Yeah, he's got a farm. It's like there's a website, yeah. And uh, was like, hey, uh, my grandson is really into guitar in high school and he loves, you know, all the classics from... You know, the 60s to the 80s, the, the s- foundational, amazing years of music. Agreed. And um, he was like, sure, bring him on by. And uh, I, we were 15 years old. <laughs> and um, we're just hanging out with him. They're playing the guitar together. I tried to play guitar. I'm not great at it. Terrible. And just watched both of them jam out for like an hour mm. and just talk we all mm. talk music it was fantastic
1: mm. like i i feel that like i could feel yorma doing that i yeah um that's cool that's cool yeah. He's, he has, I feel like Yorma Kalkin specifically, I, I, I guess I should give like a, what, what's the discography or the bit, the di- bibliography version of what piece are we talking about? Yorma uh, Yorma has this way of playing that invites other people to play with him. So he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have to scream with his instrument. Uh, he, he, and that, that typifies a, a way of playing that, that also is, can be something of a human quality that you're not just a human with a microphone. And a huge crowd in front of you, you know, this isn't a political rally or something, but, but Yorma always, I feel like he always left space for other notes for other musicians when I've seen him play. I, I, um, I'm not, I am I'm more giddy about Yorma Kalkinen than a lot of people I know. A lot of people that are into music are just not as excited about him, but I, I, I think that his ability to leave space for others is really cool.
0: That's interesting. I, yeah, I'm I'm a lover of music, but I've never thought about it that way.
1: Mm. I, the I would say, Hot Tuna is one of his projects. And Hot Tuna. Hot Tuna. To the, his his finger picking style, and, and a lot of his Hot Tuna tracks are are he's not going to blow you away, but but I think
0: they're like magical. Yeah, they're great.
1: Yeah, so it, I guess it wouldn't surprise me that he he brought another musician to fill those gaps that he leaves in his playing, and what sounds like an intentional way.
0: Yeah, it's inter- interesting. I'm gonna have to go back and listen now because I haven't listened to Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna for a while.
1: Yeah, me neither. Actually, I think it's it's, it's time to listen to Hot Tuna.
0: Yeah, I uh, out of that experience. Besides the story, I got a signed CD.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Where is it?
0: Uh, I'm gonna have to find that because I do have. A somewhat decent CD collection, um, and it's in there. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: We, you know what? We should get another sponsor. Yeah? Yeah, but it's not Yorma. I think that we should get David Byrne to be a sponsor of the podcast. David Byrne, the, 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 the crazy guy from Stop Making Sense, the talking, you know, the mind behind... Talking Heads, David <laughs> Byrne himself, who interviewed himself and all that, and, and stopped making sense. Forty years ago, I think it was about forty years. Um, if you're listening, David, <laughs> we'd love to have you over. Yes, in my house, or here, if you want. You can do both. Okay,
0: you can do here. He can. I mean, he could interview himself for a podcast. <laughs> I could. <laughs> totally I could talk would. to him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need to find you. I wonder if the outtakes on YouTube where he interviews himself. It's I, so cool. I didn't see that. It's so cool. <laughs> so cool. I'm gonna have to find that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly on the
0: DVD. Perfect. We yeah. I mean, have to watch that. Yeah. Well, cool, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello, podcast.
0: What's up? Uh, let's. You wanna you wanna reel it back in into can, content into if we can bring content. it back to where we we left off.
1: Yeah, let's do it
0: okay um you were let's see traveled around the world went to college spent a lot of time in eastern asia southeast southeast okay uh was there more to the travel around the world or were we headed straight back into vermont where you were going to med school
1: That's a tough question to answer. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's one more thing. Okay. There was this guy, Trevor. May he rest in peace. That's foreshadowing. Um, and <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I met Trevor in. It's just on backpacker circuit. And uh, in I, I took a counterclockwise circuit. So start in Bangkok. All roads lead back to Bangkok. And you can go Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, Lao, whatever, back to Thailand, back to Northern Thailand, back down to Bangkok. Or you can go the opposite direction. So I was going there. And so I met him in somewhere in Laos. And I don't remember where uh, or what. I think, and we were talking for a while and about where are you going next? Because we both had open-ended, we both had completely open-ended schedules until September when we were both going to go to medical school and he got into a school in Texas and I got into a school in Vermont and he loved the rock band fish and I love the rock band fish and unapologetically. So by the way, and other music that we got into and, um, we come from similar cultures and it was one of those things It's like the Spider Man meme where they Spider Man points at Spider Man. Yeah, with yep. the, you're doing you're doing the yeah, that thing where it was like, Oh, hey, hi me. And I and I said, Hey, dude, um I think I wanna get out of this circuit and go over to Nepal and uh, go to Mount Everest. And he said, Cool, let's go together. And I had met another guy from Sweden named Oscar, who, by the way, I can't find, which just makes me sad. I can't find Oscar, Swedish guy, um, uh, a, a, an introvert. But I met Oscar in Cambodia, and then ran into him again in Laos, and then ran into him again in Thailand. And I said, "Hey, Oscar, I'm going to Mount Everest. You want to come?" He said, "Sure." And then didn't say anything for like two days because that's him. But but it worked. Uh, we enjoyed each other's company. And so I was emailing because there were no phones at this time. So I was emailing with Trevor and Trevor went to India first and was going to go North to Nepal. And then meet me and Kathmandu. We were going to go up to fly to Lukla. Is it Lukla? I think it's Lukla. The most dangerous airport in the world. Cause the, the airstrip is on the side of the mountain. Yeah. And it's slightly upward pitched. And so you just hope your plane stops before it crashes into the mountain. And the pilot's, say this and they said it's us they said we don't we don't fly when it's cloudy because in the clouds there are rocks because th- there's really big mountains around there in the himalayas yeah, you can't see <laughs> yeah yeah we got lucky our plane took off and landed properly on the right days but the goal was to walk up to everest base camp it's about an eight day walk up if i remember right two days down eight days up uh and I kept emailing Trevor, I kept emailing Trevor and he didn't show up. So eventually Oscar and I said, we're just going to go. And so we went up, started walking and you just, you you, you sleep and there's little lodges to sleep in, eat garlic soup for dinner. That's what we ate. And it's supposed to help with altitude. You get up really high, like 16,000 feet at some point there. And I got altitude sick for an acclimatization day and, Oscar did. Oscar got really sick one night, like at base camp, and had to be carried down by a dude that's like five feet tall and put Oscar, who's like six, he's a six foot two male, um, carried Oscar down to a lower altitude because he was just vomiting from altitude sickness. And we both that we both went down that day, but Trevor never made it up. And and then I remember I I kept a blog um, called um, Yum. It was all about just eating because that's I love to eat and it was it was what I was eating, but it was also very candid because, you know, I was a single guy without attachments at that point. So it was a candid picture of all of it because I didn't really have a lot to hide. And so um, I I remember right, like some people actually read the blog, I think, Uh, but and I had some dude named Mick that would just like harass me all the time, like just post evil comments all the time, like, Mick, you don't need to do this, man. I remember Mick doing that, uh, but but um, what was my blog point? I don't know what my blog point was, but so we went all the way down and then went back to Bangkok for a while, and eventually Trevor went later, and, uh, and the, well, this was May, so May is one of the Everest summit times, and if you go in June, you may not have the weather for it, and it gets cloudier as far as I remember he was there, and I think the story is that he spent a lot of time up at base camp because he wanted a photo of Mount Everest. That's what he wanted. And he, he attracted a dog that followed him around everywhere, probably fed the dog, and the dog followed him. And he would go over and walk up to Kumbu Icefall, which is like one of the beginnings. It's, it's near Everest base camp, and try to see if he can get a shot of the mountain itself. It's not that visible from base camp. Actually, I think I, I, Everest aficionados would have to correct me and see whether it's even actually visible at all. The summit is from base camp. I don't think it is.
0: I don't believe the summit is visible at all. Yeah, You have to be above the clouds.
1: Yeah. So you can see you can see it on clear days from like two days away when you're hiking up there. Like you wake up yeah. one morning and you're like, oh, there's Mount Everest. Uh, side note, there's a mountain next to Everest called Amadablam that is much more... Oh, it's easy on the eyes. Amadavlam is like probably the one that's, that's just the shape of it. It's kind of flat on top. Um, it. It's just really nice. And I preferred it over the view of Everest. I'm not one for setting records. So like the tallest one there, I'm like, all right, <laughs> it's there. Uh, so uh, Trevor hung out at base camp for however long. And eventually one day he didn't come. He went out to... F- go for his walk and with his camera and didn't come back. So his mom contacted anybody that had any contact with him, including eventually got to my blog and uh, I posted some things about it. And Trevor's missing, Trevor's missing. And they they went through their life savings to find Trevor, helicopters, all those things, and didn't find him. Um, a note about Trevor is he has a history of psychiatric disease which he shared with me pretty clearly, if I remember right, bipolar disorder, if I remember right. So there was at least that bit in the back of everybody's mind is he went away, but he chose to go away. Uh, So years went on, no information about Trevor, and um, it must have been five or six years, and there was an email list that was inactive at that point, and and his mom emailed uh, because the weather was warm enough that his his body was finally found up there uh and um they found his camera and they were able to get like data off his camera which is crazy still data available off his camera from the card uh which that, they didn't go into details about that but it, he was caught in an avalanche uh, and oh man It's real up there. I mean, I felt invulnerable, even though I had altitude sickness and felt horrible at the same time, but we witnessed an avalanche from the other, from like the other side. Like we were on one mountain and the avalanche was like across the valley from us. And the guy we were walking with, he just pointed at it. We, we were carrying our own stuff. We didn't have porters and uh, we didn't have, what are they called? It's a cultural name for the, the, it's not, they're not actually, you call them porters because, Sherpas sherpa, but sherpas Sherpa are our people they're not a, they're not a they're they work as porters, so Sherpa are the people there are sherpas that aren't porters. porters are the people that carry stuff, and a lot of them come from the Sherpa culture, but they're not not all Sherpas are porters
0: interesting, learned something new, yeah,
1: so we had we had one of them that was hanging out with us in a group of people, but he pointed out the avalanche, and I was like, oh, weren't we just there?" <laughs> uh and so um yeah he trevor so so f- i was already well into medical school and the difference the i'm thinking about the differences between trevor and me because i don't really think there are a lot of them and i think that's my one biggest experience of knowing my own mortality otherwise i don't even know my mortality i have no clue but but uh trevor trevor was doing what i did and he died and i think that that without that single experience with travel and with doing things that at the time, walking up to Everest Base Camp was like nothing. To, it wasn't nothing, but it was like, that's what I'm doing next. It wasn't. There wasn't even a feeling of danger despite what it was at 16,000 feet or whatever and avalanches. It, I never felt that, but I think it did give me a bit of a an understanding of mortality a little bit better. Now, did it alter my behavior in life or my choices? I can't say it has yet. And that might be something I need to think about more about myself.
0: Is this m- one of those experiences of you, you don't know your own mortality where it's a harder concept to grasp the life and death scenarios?
1: Um, Um is a space filler right now. <laughs> like it just be quiet. I realize when people listen to podcasts that, that that silence is okay. So let me try this again. Here, ready?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of suspense.
1: Yes. Uh, the I know. Th- I I feel like I'm an outsider about my perspective on death. And and I think that my own perspective gets misconstrued when I share it with other people. Because I'm certainly not doing activities that would lead to my certain death. I've, there's a lot of reasons not to do that. But I'm also a fatalist by nature. Like, if something happens, okay. It happened. I'll certainly make efforts to prevent it, but... I I like to be okay with things. So proactively I am proactively okay with my own death. In the context of the fact that I don't really want that to happen, but I one day I <laughs> was talking to my brother on the phone and I said, "I'm ready to die." And I was going to follow that up with with something of saying, "I you know the the at least I'm emotionally ready to address my own death, is what I was saying. But my phone cut out right away after I said that. Oh, no. And I had to go somewhere where I couldn't t- continue the conversation. So it was like an hour before I got back on the phone with him.
0: So he's probably like freaking out uh, for an I don't hour. Know.
1: I don't know. I think he knows that I say bold things to him on the phone. So <laughs> I think it's okay. But uh, I'm also, I'm, I, I, I i'm a doctor and i work in a place I, I i have certain parts of my subspecialty career that involve death uh, and um, i take i specialize in the rehabilitation or the functional care of um, kids with brain tumors and i was just looking this up today at work to get the most recent data about mortality rate in brain tumors all comers it's like uh, within five years, it's a 25% mortality. Uh, th- it's reported differently. It's a 75% five-year survival, which is more, more promising.
0: Yeah, that's a positive outlook.
1: But the other way around it is that the, that a quarter of the patients you meet in that context, and I do that every week. is meet. I probably meet a new one every week or maybe a little bit less than that. A quarter of them will die within five years. And the vast majority is even sooner than that, and and it it requires a certain perspective on death to to be able to do that and still still have enough emotional stability to work and to be okay for the rest of the day. Because yeah, my patients die, and Trevor died, and. Uh, there are a few other stories about people I know that died, um, and um, I I think I'm very fatalist about it, and I I don't know if that's a healthy thing or not. I I'm still I'm still in the process with that, but. I, as I handle it right now, it is my, my role in this is professionally is to enhance every minute of life and then support the family after that death or let them know that there's love there. There's not, so from a, from a doctor to a family, it's not, it's not love. Like I love you love. It's, it's, I care about you and um, this means something, and your child's memory is a blessing. Um, but, but I, I I'm I'm realizing that that the way that I approach death I think is really different than a lot of other people. I think so. And sometimes when I describe it, and I think even people that are listening right now would have a bit more of a visceral reaction to my emotional distance or my my perceived emotional distance from death. I still f- feel it. But I also feel like it's what people do, and the uh, well, all people do. And I think that the the thing that you feel is the timing. And uh, if that's the case, then then that's a real thing. You know, that's a real thing to feel. But but um, maybe maybe that approach is what helps me be a part of that on a very regular basis. And um keep doing what i do
0: yeah i think it's such an interesting perspective to hear um from someone that's in your position and experiences that you've had um i feel like i might have like a similar outlook um but there is a there's a quote that i heard it is an I don't know it was on another controversial podcast that is out there that's very prominent but it's said by someone that I highly highly respect uh Naval Ravikant and um he says that every man has two lives and the second starts as soon as he realizes he has just one and I heard that about eight months ago And that quote was from 2019. Oh. Yeah. The person on the receiving end of Naval saying that was like mind blown.
1: I I am right now.
0: Yeah. So I've, I've actually repeated that to myself a few times to Mm. see if that ever sparks anything. Any ideas or experiences that I want mm. before my time is up mm. <laughs> there's a lot going on right
1: yeah uh i I love it
0: yeah oh that's great actually i I think. Neval didn't actually it, it's not a quote that he said. I believe he was actually quoting Confucius okay and you can kind of see it but like sure. you know I don't read Confucius scriptures or books or anything Not
1: yet you don't
0: not yet correct uh but here like reading it and hearing someone say it that's two different ball games, right And I think hearing it is the more. The more powerful statement it really is
1: it really is it's nice to hear from you right now yeah that's that's uh eight months ago yeah that's when you heard it
0: yeah i think it was about june or july in 2021 Mm.
1: when did you start doing the podcast
0: i started this the first episode aired october 27th
1: okay all right when did you start planning the podcast (laughs)
0: saying I'm just gonna do this I know exactly where you're going with this
1: I don't know if I can go I don't know if it's gonna be a successful road That I'm going down but is it
0: So in the episode that has released Before this one um, I talked to Nate uh, About How I actually had this idea years ago Yeah And he was one of the first people That I had one on one time With him And I was like, hey, I've got this sweet idea. I think it's a sweet idea. Here's the idea, and then you tell me what you think. Okay. I did that with a few people toying around with, I'd say, 2018, 2017, 2019 era of my life. That is when the ideas were flowing about this
1: you had to take action at some point
0: yeah ideas don't become reality until there's action taken
1: so did you take the action during your first life or your second
0: <laughs> um i don't know who it was but i had the discussion we are here uh in my office aka the lab the lab yes uh and you can see there's sound tiling everywhere the microphones that we're speaking into. Yes. The audio equipment to go with it. It was all here. It was all here very soon after I got this place. And Okay. That was I got all of this exactly 1 year and 3 months before the first episode was played or released sorry you're
1: dodging the question man
0: Uh, i i'm sorry i thought i was answering the question
1: well maybe you're not maybe i'm just not seeing the the so so you got all the things to make the podcast
0: yeah and they sat here and collected dust for a year until until i decided to do something
1: and when did you decide to do
0: something september 2021
1: okay so a couple months after you heard this quote i'm'm I'm, I'm making up a story yeah. that's not true. I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say that this is this is the beginning of your second life there we go. Oh I'm so you were ahead.
0: thinking that it was like immediately after I heard it
1: this I mean I think what's happening right now overall is my deep desire to turn the microphone on you for your own <laughs> podcast, which we've talked about and that that now that now that it's all broadcast in the world that that's what i want to do is ask you more questions and if you're down i at some point like get more of your perspective on death not this not right now but yeah uh, we could do
0: another time
1: yeah to to dig deeper into to death uh, as a con- mortality and death yeah yeah i was about to say it's a really dark way to do something but that's not my perspective on it on death is that it's not necessarily dark. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes people are apologetic after a long conversation about death and mortality. Well, that's, you know, that's really dark. Sorry to bring you to such a dark place. And and I, I'm not sorry. And and I don't think it's dark.
0: i tell you, uh, there's been some dark times on this podcast already. Mm. And um, we get there and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I already ask, you know, whoever's here, do you want to talk about it? Are you prepared to talk about it? And actually a couple of times it's been, I've never talked to about, about it to anyone. And oh. here I am doing probably the most, uh, I don't know, most listened to form of it rather than just having a one-on-one conversation. Yep, it's a broadcast form. Yeah. It's a broadcast form anyone can hear it sure so that takes that's strong will right there Mm -hmm. um you know i think it's great to get into it because you don't know who someone is just by looking at them you have to you have to understand the stories and the experiences they've went through
1: it's true it's true
0: yeah but uh (laughs) i think that's a nice segue to uh continue (laughs) on to your story (laughs) Uh, where were we we were we were we're uh rest in peace trevor trevor um and then you were getting into med school in vermont sure
1: vermont with med school maybe is the better term okay uh, my phone is called it's called why not vermont that's the name you know, you have to name you name iphones and yeah my phone is called why not vermont Uh, my phone happened to die in vermont two years ago or three years ago and i got a new phone in vermont and i called it why not vermont because um that place specifically northern vermont and burlington i think it's where i belong (laughs) like i think it's where my people are i think i uh a physical like i ne- I unfortunately need a lot of trauma and rare diagnoses to do the work that i do i don't need it but vermont is like 600 something a thousand people it's not a big city not a big state and the biggest city has sixty thousand or so i'm making these numbers up but burlington the great burlington vermont the, the ratio of music scene and food scene to population is probably the strongest in burlington vermont of Anywhere I've ever been, that's for sure.
0: I forget where I went in Vermont, but it's gorgeous. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But easy in the eyes. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend going if you haven't been.
1: Yeah. And, and no, uh, no billboards because Lady Bird Johnson went there. Well, well, when, you know, when she was uh, the first lady and, and, said this is gorgeous and I don't want this to be ruined so you can't have billboards here. So there are no billboards in Vermont. If you cross over into New York State, especially in southern Vermont, the second you get over the border, you'll see billboards. Uh but there's a land border or a short water border basically between Vermont and New York State. You'll cross over and see billboards. It's like, "Oh, that's weird to see those cuz you just I didn't see them for however long I lived in Vermont." And yeah, I got there and there's music everywhere everywhere and good great musicians there and lots of great music has come lots of great bands have come out of that city and you know we go forward to like i was just hanging out and hearing a lot of this guy nick casarino his band now the nth power nick nick it was like 17 when i got there and it was just ripping like one of those guys you watch them play he doesn't even i mean with his bands his voice does a lot more of the work but nth power like nth power is his band something worth looking up um and nick casarino was like just getting out of high school i think when i moved there and somebody would say hey nick casarino is playing somewhere you just go and you do it and because he's he he had a transcendent way of playing an instrument that you knew he'd do big things and here he is doing big things now Oh boy! Seventeen years later, <laughs> wow! Uh, but the music was everywhere. The mountains were everywhere, and um, it's gorgeous. And there's there's all this to do. And um, uh, but also, I had to go to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> the first year of medical school is really uh, information intense and not very rewarding. And that's unless grades reward you, and they don't reward me. But the it's not rewarding because there's not really a product of your thing. it doesn't I mean it doesn't land anywhere, but it's a lot of work and uh, so I felt like I was working really hard and working a lot. I've never wanted to study past ten pm. I'm like, my brain's done, I'm done. I'm gonna go to sleep and wake up and study more, but I, it's not like I ever pulled all night or studying ever in medical school, but it's intense. that first year is really intense and uh sometimes it's like you feel unanchored and I did not feel anchored for a lot of that and I still like to go to shows and so I would try to make time to go see music and there was music everywhere and I lived on like Church Street like in the middle of town basically pedestrian mall in Burlington and you could walk to a bunch of great music and uh create everything like right there like it was I think I lived like half a block from the original Ben and Jerry's and it's all it's all like right there in Burlington. And um, so I did what I would, I, I, I lived the lifestyle that I otherwise was living in college too, basically, which is like see a lot of music, study hard, play hard, get a lot of exercise. And then I started writing, writing album reviews for a music magazine. Really, I met some music people, and I, I, I had started getting into writing at the end of college, just creative writing things, and that, I never considered myself a writer, but I thought I could at least write something somebody wanted to read, hopefully, maybe, and they had a column. The column changed names for good reason, but the the the, the music magazine was called State of Mind. Really cool. I thought, I enjoyed reading it, um, and. So there's a column in there called Albums You Should Know but Probably Don't. That out that 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 column changed to Albums You Should Know. That was it. That, 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 fine. And they're obscure albums or whatever The the you know, the 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 albums that are in the middle of nowhere that I worship. Uh there's an Elvis album that I I wrote a column for. It's like a one page column. Did one for an Elvis album. I did one for um Oh, I'm trying to blank on the name of this band. The album is called Turnstiles and Junk Piles, so you could reverse look it up. It's an all instrumental album. It's cool. I think that's the name of the album. Um, and then the album that you can't even find anymore called it's it, it's an Actual Tigers album. The band is called the Actual Tigers, and um, their their one album is just delicious. And um, <laughs> I I wrote one about that too, but. Uh, What that meant was knowing some people in the music scene and, and um, there was a band called the slip playing at um, a venue called higher ground. And that was somewhere around close to the peak of the, the slip, probably really cool. Like Berkeley trained jazz guys turned jam bandish, but also doing a little bit of indie sound around that time. And, I was lucky enough to have a, a pass, like a backstage pass for that. The backstage at this venue is up, in, up, up in the air, so there's like a balcony that looks down on the crowd, and you can see the band there. And so, for at least a portion of the show, I was up there and looking down and just seeing the things that caught my eye and feeling the music. And there was a, there was somebody down there. She was down there, and. She, the, the room was dark and she lit it up. Um, and I'm I'm like tearing up right now. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I wish you could feel what I'm feeling right now. Uh, that she, she made, there's 500 people at this show. And she glowed more than all of them did. And I kept seeing her down there. And it was dark, but she just kept glowing. And you could see that the music did something differently to her than it did to everybody else, or at least the portion of people. She's also very attractive. <laughs> um, and I just, it, when you're at a show, you appreciate those things. It doesn't mean that you'll ever talk to that person or that you'll ever. Uh, but, but I'm down there and I kept noticing her. And I still remember what she was wearing, like the hoodie she was wearing and what it said on it and all that. And What did it say? It said happy. But with a capital Y in lowercase all the other letters. And it was like stitch work. It was like a patchwork back of the letters happy. I wish I could find that happy hoodie. I can find the person. Foreshadow. <laughs> uh, so the show ends and I go down in the crowd and I, I'm talking to the who, the, the owner editor the, the the mind behind this magazine just talking about whatever and she's right there oh and it turns out they're friends uh, and so I, I talk to her and I, don't, I don't remember the details of the conversation but I introduced myself and she said she gave me her name, and and I said, "Oh, we're gonna be friends. I think I was so I said, those are my words we're gonna be friends and she 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 had told me that she had already met me before <laughs> Burlington's not a big city, <laughs> but <laughs> regrettably maybe uh I didn't I have like only distant memories of meeting her, like outside a bar or something um, but definitely remembered that and um. That was the the that was the life changer right there so so but that was it, that's what I said, and in Burlington, in a small town with a small music scene dense music scene you're you're gonna see people again, and I trusted that so I just gotten out of a relationship of sorts in retrospect, a very thinly connected relationship, she just gotten out of a relationship. And somebody was having a birthday party the next night and both of our exes brought us to a birthday party and it was the same one at the same bar. And that was cool. And there was a certain point when both of our exes were gone doing whatever. And I was like, I was talking to her and I was like, Hey, can, can I, can I call you? Can I give me your number quick? And I did that. Um, And I don't know what, I I think I, I think I felt something different than I'd ever felt when I met somebody. In um, there was something, she she still, you know, she, she can make a room bright. And I knew that. And even the room that night, the second night too, I knew it. I was like, that doesn't mean that that's, Forever, whatever, but it, it was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, so, uh, fast forward, that's my wife. So, they're there. That, that's my dad. That was wife. quick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot in there that I'll it's get a beautiful into, but story about is, how you met and then boom, you're married. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. A year and a half later. So, but, um, but, but, uh, that, quality of a person that it's I don't think it's even intentional for her as I'm you know knowing her fairly well I know it's not to do that it's in it's inherent or it's like it's, it's her in her infinite wisdom but it's her natural nature that natural nature nice Nathan it's her way to do that and I'm at this point in my life I am um I I I have envy and jealousy of her ability to do that basically all the time and to to lift the people around her in almost every context all the time because I mean most people I mean say I I can't do that I don't have I don't think I have it in me to do that and Wow. I mean, even when you're down low, you're still lifting people. When you feel like you have nothing to give, you're still lifting. Uh, And she does it. And she did it from like the first time I ever saw her before I even, well, apparently I met her before that. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, honey. (laughs) But, but it's a, it's a really special quality. And the person in life to whom i'm the closest now i said she lights up the room and one of the one of the things that's so cool about her is that she has synesthesia we both do actually but but hers is hers is i think to a much greater degree i don't really need to talk about mine mine's mine's not as fun what is it oh synesthesia so it's a it's that the a certain sensation or a certain sensory modality yields a different sensory modality in your brain so, in her case, she hears music and she visual she has a visual brain image that is profound.
0: Oh, I've heard of that I envy that I, I, I would yeah,
1: I'm married to it so so when she's at a concert and you can see she's lighting up the room, her brain is also lighting up, which is why we don't talk to each other at concerts because she doesn't have the space for that and why why talk when someone else is playing uh but but um. Yeah, I think it's pretty intense for her too. The like, especially really intense music because there's a visual component to it all, uh, and uh, yeah, I, it more envy and jealousy. Right, that 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 she gets to have that aesthetic event that the art gets made in her brain, and apparently it's pretty consistent. Like the same piece is going to do the same thing, even years separated. Like not always, but they can conjure the same image, uh, and. So you, no one, no one will come on a podcast and say that marriage is easy, ever, ever. We're we're uh, thirteen years in, no one will ever say it's easy. But I will say that I, I previously used the words I used jealousy and envy, but but I think that admiration or right, I, you know, what I admire about my wife the inherent qualities of my wife are uh, that's bigger. And I'm realizing that, that I can probably never say it enough to, to the reminder of how, how much admiration I have for her. And I should probably say it 20 times before I ever say it on a podcast. So sounds like I have some homework to do. (laughs) Do you want to get back to travel for a moment?
0: your life let's do it
1: there but it'll it'll all link in so I I I finished there's one summer you do get off in medical school and that's the first one or at least it was the case then okay and it was a really stressful year so I met my wife in February and the school year ended probably in June and my it was a really intense year for me in terms of the academic side of things, the, the learning and just the work necessary. And it's not rewarding. The first year of medical school, I get to you know hang out with medical students and I'm like, first, first year of medical school, just not rewarding, just not. It's just a step to get to the next thing. Third and fourth years, a little more rewarding, a little bit more, but the first year's not. And our school had a scholarship, an international scholarship. You find somebody to rotate with, And you've got, what, $1,500 or something to go fly there and rotate with them. So international, national, just go do a cool medical experience. And being an opportunist about it, I thought, okay, I'm going to plan this summer. I'm just going to plan it, and I've got 10 weeks or something. All right, I'll sublet my apartment. I'll do. You have to do a two-week rotation for this scholarship thing, which I, I think I think everybody got it, that wanted it. I don't think I like won it. (laughs) (laughs) So I found somebody in Thailand because I had some connections after hanging out there for a while. Or you know what, I didn't. I found somebody through a connection, and strangely enough, in the ultimate frisbee scene of Burlington, Vermont, that she's Thai, and there was somebody to rotate with. And I was gonna do that, and then I was gonna to go to Burma uh Myanmar, whatever I was gonna to go to Kota Kinabalu, like the highest point in Southeast Asia uh I was gonna do all a planned this six or eight week trip, so I was gonna play in the mountains, and I was gonna eat fun food and um and also do that little rotation thing and so I left I went to back to Thailand and that was not as novel as it used to be because I was just there for many months the year before. But I thought I would feel the same thing. And I even got a Burmese passport or a Burmese, not a passport. Woo, didn't get that. Uh, <laughs> I I got a Burmese visa. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't have a Burmese passport. Um, I got a visa for Burma, which is is the prettiest visa in my passport in terms of the aesthetics. It's a full page sticker. It's cool took a few days to get, wasn't easy to get in. Uh, and I did my rotation first and, um, it was fine. Uh, except there's one thing, interestingly, that I, I, um, I went by boat in like the, the Gulf of Thailand to see patients that couldn't get into their doctor. That was my job. So this, this nurse in the clinic, this guy would take me in this little boat with a tiny little motor and we'd go to all these little fishing villages and see the people that couldn't physically get into their doctor. So they had things like strokes, uh, spinal cord injuries, cerebral palsy, a lot of kids with cerebral palsy, um, brain injuries, brain tumors, things that kept their bodies from moving mobility impairments, functional impairments. Uh, and I felt, I felt really connected to those people and for that moment that was it the fast forward is that I'm a doctor for those conditions now and that that uh, I'm a rehabilitation doctor so my role is to help people with those diagnoses do more and I felt I felt that there but I didn't even I didn't even know about the specialty that I'm in the physical medicine and rehabilitation is the name of the specialty I didn't even know it existed when I was there on that rotation but what I knew in that moment, it wasn't because I was in Thailand, but what I knew was that the the, the the position of a person trying to function better or have a higher quality of life, like not... I don't know that I was interested in saving lives or prolonging lives as much as I was saying, live well while you're living. And if that circles back to our death thing where it's like, live well while you're living, that's important. Uh, that's that's what I do. I finished that rotation. I had two weeks, and, and I at the end of that rotation, I... Started to get a feeling that something wasn't right uh, uh, and that, that I didn't belong in Asia. I rented a motorcycle, I took it over to Kanchanaburi. <laughs> it took me a while to remember that one, it's where the bridge over River Kwai is. Which I never saw the movie, so I don't know that there's any use to me going there. And I I just went there and I had a motorcycle and got lost a little bit. It didn't do anything for me. Travel would the wanderlust was gone. And and I got to this realization that what I was looking for was to like was to play in mountains and waterfalls and eat really good food and um, be around people that wanted to live and experience life. And I looked at where I was in Thailand and those people were there and the experience was there. Uh, and then I looked at Vermont in the summer where there are great waterfalls and places to swim, natural places to swim and beautiful mountains and lovely hikes and Lake Champlain and uh, an excellent local food culture and i realized that everything i wanted was right there plus more because what i was also doing was i was i was longing for for my wife not my now wife and so i changed my flight and i had i what i gave up was an opportunity to go to burma and Kotakinabalu, Kinabalu, that that mountain. And um, I I was looking at Southern Thailand and maybe some Malaysia and Singapore too. And there's some excitement, especially those of us that have been trapped in this country for a long time. Not trapped, but hard to leave. And conceptually, those sound like great places to go. I have no regrets about my choice, like none. Uh, Because I went back to Burlington, I went back to Vermont, just this amazing place, and got to spend a ton of time with the person that lights up all the rooms and be in the room. And sometimes it was just me and her in the room and she lit the room up at two. And uh, so I gave up this huge, intense travel experience that I haven't had a chance to do since I haven't gone back to any of those places. I haven't made Completed those check boxes. So I, st- I I do want to go Myanmar. I do, Burma, whatever. But I have zero regrets about it, and I have so much gratitude for the choice that I made to give all that up and go and um, start to settle down. Fast forward from that moment in 2006 to 16 years later and there's a 12-year-old boy in my house and an 8-year-old girl and my wife. What I take from that is another humility step because I thought I knew what was the right thing to do. I planned a trip and you think it's all the right thing to do, and I had to v- grapple a lot with the, the need to pivot heavily and leave Asia when I could have been there for "quote unquote" another trip of a lifetime. And, uh, I'm glad I didn't, and I I hope that helps me be ready to pivot again if something just isn't right, or if something really is right and I need to go there and do it.
0: It's it's amazing to have such a, I'd call it an intense experience, because you're thousands and thousands of miles away from home, away from what you know and love, and you're experiencing whatever you were experiencing uh, at that time, and you're actually, it feels like it was, you were made to go there to find that love and that passion for what you want to specialize and be a doctor. And then you're like, whatever happened in the world said, that's it. That's the only reason you came over here. It's time to go back.
1: Yes. And today, 2022 is the first time that I think that I've fully mourned the loss or the, the loss. Uh, I I made I had a huge gain, right? I got a lot out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Lost, time of travel gain the, of the travel everything loss. else.
1: There there because there hasn't been travels like that since. There's yeah. been there's been one week trips, ten yeah. day trips. Uh, there hasn't been the open ended travel since then. And as I put it all together in a picture, this is and and plan my travel for 2022 it's the first time I can say I know I made the right decision. I've been saying that the whole time that uh, absolutely the right decision, but beyond that, that I am over whatever that was that, that because I, I still, you know, I spent time grappling with, uh, open-ended freedom travel, like open-ended free travel where it's like, yeah. you're, not, you're not going home unless it's six weeks later <laughs> and you don't know where you're going. That is is that that is something that is inherent to me as a person. Like, I like that. I, I, and and um, I haven't had it since. But, but as I put the whole picture together and I look at my life today, and I, I think I could have said this a lot earlier if I talked this out with somebody 10 years ago. 12 years ago i could have but this is the first time i think i've talked it out to say not only was it the one of the better choices i ever made in life but that that i don't regret like i i I can i can leave the past as it is yeah and you're at peace yes and, and the experience that I have in had in Vermont for that same period of time was was great. So it was excellent, and brings me back to this whole travel is totally awesome. It really is, except when it's not.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. Most people I know are like, yeah, travel is awesome, and then you. I don't know if they've had those experiences, but I've had those experiences where I'm like, This is not awesome anymore. I wanna be at home.
1: Yes. Was I, I don't know that Vermont was home yet, but I wanted to be in Vermont. Yeah. I wanted to be and I I, I mean, I wanted to be with my wife. <laughs> my now wife. I I I, I didn't want to be around anybody else at that time. Yeah. That's still true I want to Be around my wife a lot
0: That's That's amazing I I think that's so cool
1: Just Don't let me sugarcoat Marriage too much though It's really hard (laughs) sometimes i listen to people's description of marriage and i'm like how about the rest of it (laughs) tell me everything because you intertwine yourself with a person so deeply that yeah that every oftentimes every bump that one experiences both experience and the emotional complexity of that relationship is just it's a it's a I mean, no. Uh, the, we got we've got cliches for that, like marriages work and all those ones that.
0: It's a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Mary. All the things. Yeah,
1: all, and, and they're all true, but they're they're simplifying the topic a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so there's a, another travel story that i you have that you I wanted you to mention. Oh no. I don't know where it fits in your timeline.
1: It fits everywhere. (laughs) Oh, 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 about when people always come back to find you?
0: No, that was a different one, but that sounds like a good one.
1: Oh, I... Leave that one for for the fifth iteration of you and I sitting here.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. We're only at two, and we're already estimating five. I think we can only publish
1: two, but... Maybe we sit and talk. I, don't, I yeah, okay. So w- which, w- give me, give me a hint. Wait, can you?
0: Uh, I don't know how to not just give it away. Oh. I like the guessing game that we're doing here.
1: Uh, this is fun, <laughs> but but we don't want to give it all away right away. So is it is there a country? Is there a, America? All of it.
0: I'm pretty sure you stayed here in America the whole time. Okay. Um.
1: Is there music involved? Yes. Oh, you want to talk about that? yeah so we have to rewind to get to there because that was between that was that was a lot of that was between college and medical school like uh, um but we can yeah
0: with the grilled cheese yes sir grilled cheese <laughs> let's do
1: it yeah my my um my most successful ever entrepreneurial venture oh, and yeah. probably my highest hourly pay rate ever too
0: you're the ceo of your own company for like a summer
1: yes yes (laughs) uh llc yes yeah Uh, um so rock band fish not this is not an original idea but it works so we did it and so fish um fish is a language that's spoken i think there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can say uh you can Compare it to a lot of hobbies that you can get really deeply into that make zero sense until you're all the way in. So I think uh, uh, we don't the the people that enjoy high end whiskey for what it is, so not for the the drunkenness experience and not for yeah. the intoxication, but for the the fact that it does something to the palate that that is intense. The experience is intense and uh, complex. Yeah, but it all starts in a very unpleasant experience with maker's mark or whatever, <laughs> not the next sponsor or beam centauri maker's mark, not the next sponsor. No, thanks. But, uh, fish is the same thing that, that it is an acquired taste. And I don't think anybody starts with this band and says, Oh, I love this right away. Like, I don't think it happens. And for me, I was in high school and, consuming improvisational music a lot of jazz but other things and um and I probably listened to 20 hours of fish around other people and I was like okay everybody loves fish but I can't seem to get into this and then I was at work um at the Jewish Community Center which was in this case like the YMCA in terms of health clubs and I scanned people's IDs coming in that was my job and my job was probably to talk to them and make them feel welcome which I enjoyed And I could listen to music. And so there was a a tape that I had, cassette tape of a recording, because they they allow audience recording of, and it was Red Rocks, you know, the Colorado venue, Red Rocks from 1994.
0: Uh, Bucket list to go there. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh,
1: And so Fish played there in 94, and and Red Rocks 94 is is, to a lot of people pretty intense. And the song in this case, the song that I listened to today actually. Um, Run Like an Antelope is the name of the song. and There's a point, I mean, there's like a definite massive crescendo in this piece, and it's an improvisational crescendo. It's how I want to live life, actually. (laughs) A whole bunch of improvisational crescendos. I don't know how I got here, but it's great. And I I, I felt it in that moment. This is 1998 or so. I felt it, and once you... Once you feel that, once you've listened to enough and you you can speak the language and your ear can speak it and your brain can speak what these four guys in this band are doing, for a lot of people, it's not for everybody, but for a lot of people, you're going to have it forever and you can't get enough. So their concerts are improvisational. They can go 13 straight shows and not repeat a song. The reason I say that is because they did.
0: There's There's a banner. Yeah I mean, in Madison if go Square to, Garden. Yeah, if you go to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I've seen better. it in person.
1: Yeah. So I was we went to the middle three of those, of the thirteen. Oh, that's awesome. Met. She loves the band. Katie loves the band too. But before I met her, uh, after I went to Big Cypress, uh, which was the millennium show where they played from midnight to sunrise. And that was crazy. I was like, I I, I need to get all I can get of this band. So at this point I'm a Five shows in or something. I don't have a great count. Um, somewhere I, my hundredth wasn't that long ago. And my 40th birthday, I was lucky enough to have a show that recently. Um, and that was like 102 or so or 105 or I don't know. I don't know the number. Um, but, but I've loved all of them. <laughs> With the exception of one, because I was just like really ill with a cold, and I just was irritable and sleep deprived. There's one show where I was just like, <laughs> but besides that, I've loved all of them, and 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 had fairly transcendent experiences of, with all of them. Most of well, I mean, I, those transcendent experiences coming from music, and not I'm not <laughs> I don't do drugs, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, so the plan was after college that i would take medium chris previously mentioned i mentioned medium chris yeah. right so previously mentioned medium chris um, and i would go on um the uh, the second leg of summer tour the whole thing and 2003 and just do all of it and um we had some money we didn't have a lot and so it started in wisconsin we lived in wisconsin and so we we put some money in the pot. Basically, we each took like a hundred bucks and put it in the pot, and that bought bread and country crock and individually wrapped slices of cheese. And we have specifically, because Walmart is everywhere. And in retrospect, I'm like, oh, Walmart. <laughs> but but then it was I didn't get it and. We knew the bread would be the same at every Walmart. The country crock going to be the same. The individually wrapped cheese and the brand we wanted would be the same all over the country. That was going to be our thing. Camper stove and we could make eh, eight-ish sandwiches per minute, grilled cheese sandwiches per minute. We pre-buttered and pre-cheesed them and we had a container for them. And um, we know what people do at fish concerts. They have a fun time and they party. And so, so this is, goes back to Grateful Dead days. Selling grilled cheese in a, in a hippie concert parking lot is not a new thing, but we were going to do it, and so we did it the whole tour. And we do sell before you still go in the show. You don't miss any music at all. And then after the show's over, you run back to your grill and you get set up in within a minute and start firing up those grilled cheese sandwiches and pump out as many as you can. And people would buy them. One guy bought twenty. <laughs> you know? Twenty grilled but, cheese well, it's sandwiches. Just, it's just a twenty dollar bill. Yeah. And but in most cases we got they're they're one dollar. Yeah. So well, you know, if you're and and the, how do you advertise that you have grilled cheese? You yell it because we don't have signs. Nobody's looking. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like grilled cheese, $1, <laughs> bottle of water, $1. We had those in the cooler and people would just come and buy stuff. There's there something called Shakedown Street at these concerts where all these vendors would line up in a row, you know hundred vendors in a row selling whatever they have and we made some friends and so the people next to us would always make pesto pasta and we'd make grilled cheese and this other set of friends would make veggie burritos hi johnny ray by the way i'm coming to see you february 25th he lives in new orleans um i'm hopefully i see you (laughs) but but uh uh johnny ray was was a was a burrito guy there and then um, my friends Terry and Kristen did did pesto pasta, and I need to find them. I, they're, they're lost right now. I can't find them. And and we had this little food court. And we thought it was cute. And uh, so we would sell. We could, you know, we would sell, plan to sell six, seven hundred sandwiches a day. And and only work for about three hours. That's so the medium, Chris and I, you know, and go to all those concerts. So we put those hundred dollars in. That was our initial investment, and then we lived off the wad. And why do we call it the wad? Because because they were all it was all one dollar bills.
0: It was just a wad of one dollar. There were one dollar was... bills
1: everywhere. That was we lived off this pile of one dollar bills for for uh, uh, three or four weeks in the summer, or uh, maybe three weeks. I don't I don't know how long it was. It was. We went south and then we went up the east coast and we ended up in northeastern Maine for the end of it and. And some some places you just can't sell grilled cheese because the cops just it, it, it wasn't legal. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean I, I don't know you're it, we don't have a food license or anything. I, I, I was aware of the strange non legalness of it, despite the fact that we're just making grilled cheese sandwiches and selling them. But uh, so it, there were there was one time there were cops and. I think it was Town, Pennsylvania which was the best show of tour or two by far they just played all these songs they hadn't played in 20 years and it was great and I remember they played a certain song Harpua which I was you know officially plays every five years or whatever and I never heard it live and I, I remember lifting up Medium Chris like picking him up in joy and he's not necessarily a touchy-feely guy and he was like oh you kind of ruined that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, hey, if you're listening to Chris, I, I, w- I want to know your actual feelings about that moment. Cause I know, you know, I lifted you up in the air at that moment. I know, you know that. Let's see what you thought. But the, the cops either before or after that show did walk by. I don't know if they even cared what we were doing, but we didn't, we, I, I've never had a negative interaction with a police officer in my life. And, um, Nothing like I never had. And and so I was like, oh, you know, one good way to not interact with the police officer is to not interact with the police officer. So what did I do? We had eight sandwiches on the grill. They were walking by. The people in the lot have a good way of notifying everybody when cops are coming. And so we heard and we walked away and we left the grill on. It's a camper stove, propane tank camper stove. We walked away until they were gone and those sandwiches just charred (laughs) we were gone for a while we we, we acted like we were just hanging out in the lot like it wasn't our grill anymore and closed our cooler and uh, walked away from it all walked away from the car walked away from everything and that's just that's how that's how the system worked like people you know there's the, there's a police officer there and everybody just walks away from all their stuff and like, all right, cool. You know, just charred those sandwiches completely, like, you know, well beyond any recourse. And, <laughs> uh, but then the best show, the best show of that tour half, happen- One of my favorite shows that I've been to happened. 7-23-2003 is my guess on the date. I think that's right. I'm not sure though. I think that's right.
0: That's just, um, I find the story fascinating that you were able to follow a band through a whole tour and make sandwiches in the parking lot, sell them, use that money for gas to get to the next show.
1: Hotels, food, everything, everything. Supplies to sell again. Yeah.
0: All the stuff and do it again the next night. Mm
1: -hmm. It was basically break even
0: through the whole thing you broke even basically break
1: even we didn't we didn't sell there's a festival in Maine at the end we chose not to vend we just we're gonna just gonna enjoy it We yeah. had things to get back to in Madison so we didn't have to work and, right uh we were basically break even I think I mean it was it, if we ever needed to take money out of our wallets we could <laughs> like it wasn't like that but we tried to live off the wad as much as we could yeah and but but we had to drive from maine to madison wisconsin northern maine to madison wisconsin after the last show and i stayed up all night meet him chris didn't he's still mad i'm sure he's still mad I slept from, like, Maine until Pennsylvania or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we, we woke up. And we packed up our tent. It was, like, 8 in the morning. I never slept in that tent that he slept in. I just came back when the sun came up. and uh, I was like, let's go. And apparently what happened was we got in the car. And I said, you should probably drive first. And I fell asleep and woke up in, like, Pennsylvania. <laughs> like I slept <laughs> for, like, 14 hours. And then I got up, and it was, like, I don't know, probably 5 p.m. And I drove for a while, and I at least made it to Chicago. I think I, I, I the, the story, the whole, the pole story is fuzzy. I, 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 Medium Chris knows every detail because that's he, he, he has records of every sports event he's ever been to, including the score and some other information about it. I can ask him about anything that i've done as long as he's been there and he'll have information i did it yesterday i said hey did not we see wilco in chicago one thanksgiving he's like yeah 2006 this is what they played (laughs) and it was an instant answer it wasn't like it was there was no delay in the answer like he has spreadsheets for all this wow uh but but we then the topic of chicago where he now lives um and has two beautiful children and a lovely wife and um I still get to see him. I'm thankful for that. Oh, he's in Mexico right now seeing Wilco. Despite all the canceled concerts, that's happening at this exact moment. Wow! He didn't do anything in the world for the last three months so he could go to this. That's so cool. He's there. That is so cool. He's yeah. He texted me like because he was everything else got canceled. You know, a lot of yeah. Mexico festivals got canceled, but this is happening. And so as far as I know, he's having the time of his life in Mexico right now
0: at the time of this recording not the time of release
1: <laughs> that's true so in retrospect we'll see if the time of the life happened yeah and if he gets back without omicron we'll see i think he will yeah i think he's he's due for an event like this having just turned 40 he's due for this decade's going to be great yeah uh so so we we think we thought we were out of money and we were in my Toyota Corolla I've only had a Toyota Corolla and uh, we thought we were out of money and we had our own, you know, we were like broke, but we were starting to use our own money and we were kind of sad about that, that the wad was gone because it was yeah. fun. And, and we get to a, to a toll in Illinois because they charge you tolls. And at that point it was still like throw change in there. And in my Corolla, there's like that middle console and, and we are looking for change to, to, as we drive back. And you know, the, I'm that guy that slept most of the drive back. And, <laughs> um, and we're pulling the Corolla apart, trying to find change. And we find nothing. And eventually we find there's a secret thing in the console. If you keep pulling more console layers up, there's this like secret compartment. We lift up the secret compartment, sitting at the toll. Everybody's like behind us honking or whatever. And we can't move. And we're just looking for change. And we find just tons and tons of wadded up $1 bills in the secret compartment. And, and as we pull it out, we're just like pulling out all these tons and tons of what the wad, there was still wad left. Um, because because we at some point, we had so many $1 bills on one day because we sold like 800 sandwiches in a day. We had no idea where to put all the crumpled up $1 bills. We we're just stuffing them places. And apparently, Medium Chris one day knew about the secret compartment and just jammed them all in there and forgot about them. So we're sitting here at this toll booth. We still can't pay the toll because it requires change and all we have is $1 bills. And we're just <laughs> we <We're> sitting there <laughs> celebrating after this long tour, the fact that there's some wad, some amount of the wad left, maybe fifty bucks. It's nothing. But the, the the fact that there was a little bit of that left was really special to us. I still have no idea how we got through the toll itself, but we
0: found some of the wad. That's amazing. <laughs> um is that is that the end of the story?
1: Um, that was the end of the tour, but that was two thousand three. We've since been to lots of shows i haven't sold a grilled cheese sandwich since then
0: yeah i i wanted to get the grilled cheese story out there because that's just following a tour for the whole thing hitting every show and doing all the things i think is just so freaking awesome um you should do it (laughs) i would love to
1: yeah we need Um, to get you to a fish show as opposed to what we went and saw together, which was supposed to be the lead guitarist,
0: Trey Anastasio is supposed to be his whole band, but the whole band
1: got COVID.
0: Are yeah. We were, we were on the way to the show and just Twitter pops off. Everyone has COVID except for Trey. And you're just going to watch Trey sit in a chair with a guitar and a
1: microphone <laughs> for a solo acoustic show, but it's outside in like a, like a a venue that more suits a big funk band. Yeah, that Which can
0: hold has. how many people? Probably yeah, a couple thousand, right? Yeah, like two. Yeah, Only two thousand. Yeah,
1: wasn't the right venue for that experience. Was not. Was not. But but we'll we'll get you to real fish.
0: Yeah, I'm right. excited to get to real fish. And then tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to thank you and our buddy Todd and um, Danny and all the other bits of the career that i've met that are just fish heads that i'm a big music lover so i you know just getting into it is just awesome i'm not at the the stage of seeing over a 100 shows but it's awesome
1: i don't there's, i don't think you need to be ever i don't i i have a cousin who listens to the opposite music that I do too. Like uh, we have we have one place that we align and that's on Stephen Malkmus and on pavement where we both really align with pavement, but otherwise he's listening to um a lot of noisy music. Yeah. And it does it for and He's playing a lot of those bands too and uh this is What do
0: you mean name. by noisy? Just give us an idea.
1: Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know the names of the bands, but it's like genres.
0: There's some yelling okay so like hard rock heavy metal
1: but, like... but it's different it's like it's like three piece band and a lot of distortion and maybe some yelling of lyrics in there
0: kind of punkish no okay
1: um, I don't have to get back to you on this I'll, I'll, okay I'll send Ben a message he just moved to Detroit so I'll find him and, and okay uh, um, ask him what what's the name of the because he'll he'll send videos of the shows periodically, and I'm like, it does it for you, Ben, and that's what's really important is that it does it for him. And we do have a small overlap in our music, but I also imagine that people that see my deep love for fish are like, I don't speak your language, and any track over two and a half minutes is not a track for me, and and I'm you know like. Oh, What about the Ruby Waves from Alpine two thousand nineteen? It was forty two minutes long. It was so good. <laughs> it was or forty something minutes long, and and uh, it, it's okay that it, as long as it gets, if as long as if they feel with their music, it shows what I feel with mine. Then we've both won the battle, and I don't need them to, and I don't need you either to to speak the same language as I do. As long as you found the thing that gets you there.
0: Yeah. Um, real quick, quick question for you. Sure. Um we'll wrap this up here in a second. Yeah. On the topic of music, yeah. How many live shows have you been to in your lifetime? I have stubs from
1: from a lot of them i think i there was there was a year like 2000 2001 where i saw like 150. i uh it, it depends what qualifies i mean i in, in college at uh, uh, the like the union had an outdoor concert series where there was music f- four nights that was free and yep
0: i count that oh i mean each night and
1: there's no tickets for that because it was yeah
0: yeah um, i count each night so, so like going shows. to see some live music you mean? yeah Just live music. That was
1: more than 50% of my college nights. Wow. And then even in medical school when Katie – I hadn't said your name yet, Katie, but here it is. Like when we started dating, the bassist from Fish would play in this little club called Radio Bean in Burlington with a honky-tonk band, Honky-tonk Tuesdays. And so every Tuesday we were there listening to that for a year. So there's 50 probably – uh, and and uh, the whole band. I mean, the the people in that band just still people I'm in touch with, and that if I see them, I'm like ah, oh, so nice to see you. People people besides you know, I don't I don't see the bassist from Fish that often, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but but the the other people that were in that band, that um, it's still really nice to see them. Um, and so that was like you know, club that seats 30. Not even club. It was a, it was a coffee shop. But it's not even that big. It's even smaller than that. But that was that was every Tuesday night for a really long time. And, and Tuesday nights in college was bluegrass night. And there was always somewhere where bluegrass was being played. And I probably was doing that 75% of the time, plus weekend shows like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So maybe 1,000 is even an underestimate. But what's interesting is that it doesn't feel like enough.
0: No. No, it doesn't. No. Uh, I can tell you that... I have been going to concerts for 20 years. I'm uh-huh. a little younger. Uh-huh. But for the past 20 years of my life, I've gone to concerts. And I think I've been to between 200 and 300 mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And I am like, that's not, I'm I'm still beginner level. There's there's not enough. There's
1: not enough music. There's not, yeah. right now, at least there's not enough. We, we turned out, you and I are doing this right now because we chose not to go see live music tonight.
0: Yeah, I wish we could be in two places at once because I would have loved to go see music. So yeah. I haven't been to a show in like since November. Yeah. It is January right now.
1: Yeah, same actually. Yeah. Same. November ish. Yeah. Yeah. I and think. then
0: last year, I think I went to about 30 shows.
1: That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's great.
0: And it was within, like, it wasn't even 12 months. It was, like, six. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm seeing lots of music. I'm pumping them out. Like, I, there was a week that I went to, like, four of them at mm. once.
1: I think maybe next time we come in here, we can talk about the shows we went to together because I'm all of a sudden thinking I have, like, five things to list to you after we're done of, of here are some opportunities coming up. Let's here, do it. Here, yeah, of all different genre. I can't say genre in French. <laughs> Sorry
0: awesome. Well, that's that's uh you just brought up next time and we're going to wrap this up. So uh you're here for another episode. Is there another piece of advice you want to leave off in this world um that you want to live on?
1: Yes. I I left uh, the stop making sense last time. Yeah. Um And so this time I have, um, I, I, I would suggest the album is called short trip home. The piece of music is called short trip home. That's all you need to know about it. I suggest headphones, closed eyes, no other stimulus somewhere quiet. When you're, when you're open to something to just to move you, uh, or just to, to something to experience. So short trip home is the album and the track. It's the first track on the album called short trip home. And then you can look and see who the musicians are on it. Cause there are some recognizable names, but, uh, it's a headphone track. And, uh, the, it, I used to, it, cause I knew it in college and it was also the, the, the track that my wife walked down the aisle to at our wedding. And, um, and I used to just, if I was just sitting there studying in college or in medical school and you knew somebody else was just struggling through whatever they were doing. I was like, I would walk up to random people and be like, Hey, I've got a piece of music. And if you want to hear it, like here's my headphones, like you can listen to it. And, and like, I've seen tears shed just like with that random thing that it is one of the more powerful pieces in terms of the ability to, to take on the human emotion instantly. So it's not even advice. It's like, you know, I, I didn't play the music, but it's my gift to you if you haven't heard it before. To just just have that experience and hopefully it'll move you.
0: Awesome. I love it. I love the, the flex of the creative muscle that um, the advice gives. Yeah. Right?
1: It's just theirs. So I just press play.
0: <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming out again. Um let's get another one in the books where you come out for a third time. So you you already spoken of the universe, it's five times. No no
1: three of three. <laughs> three of three. There's there's only so much. <laughs> we could do it. Three or three.
0: Awesome. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks. And uh we'll see you next time. All right. All right. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fatal to Prejudice. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest, please visit my website at CameronChats.com and fill out the contact me form. Please fill out the subject line as podcast interview and write me a small blurb on why you or someone you know should be a guest. I'll leave a link in the description for ease of access. You can support this podcast by listening to it on your favorite podcasting site. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Another way to support is by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fatal to prejudice patreon is the only monetary support system if you would like to sign up and support through there i am forever grateful for you again thank you for tuning in